All right. Well, good evening, everybody, and welcome to Grace Community Church Wednesday night service. It's good to see you all, and uh, I'm glad you're here if you're here in person, and thank you for tuning in if you're watching online. If this is your first time watching, uh, my name is Wade, and we're glad to have you. Let me go ahead and open us up in a word of prayer, and we'll get right into tonight's message. Father, thank you for this opportunity to get up here and uh, preach what you've laid on my heart this week. God, I just pray for everybody that's here and everybody that's watching online that you would just open our hearts and minds, Lord, to receive what it is you're saying to us. Lord, I pray for all those that are at home sick right now. There's a lot of people that are sick, Lord, and I just pray that you'd be with them, comfort them, and help them to get over their sickness, Lord, so that they can get back to their normal lives. Lord, I pray for those that got bad diagnoses this week. I pray that you'd be with them and uh, comfort them in what they're facing. And Lord, I pray for those that were in bad wrecks this week. I just pray that you'd be with them, Lord, and uh, help them to feel your presence so that they don't give up hope. And Lord, we'll give you the glory for all of that. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, well, tonight uh, we're going to be finishing up the good side on the, the study that we've been doing on good versus evil. So tonight will be the the last two points. We've made it through nine points. We've already covered one through nine, but tonight we'll pick up on point ten. I'm not going to go back over all that information. Uh, we don't have enough time to do that. But I will go over the points real quick if you're taking notes and hadn't got those. Uh, number one was choose good or what that what we meant by that in this study was you know surrender your life to christ choose to follow christ number two was prove what is good number three was cleave to what is good number four was work out what is good number five was there's only two choices good or evil there is no middle ground uh, number six was do what is good number seven was follow what is good Number eight was be zealous for what is good. And number nine was imitate what is good. And uh, like I said, tonight we'll pick up on point number 10, and that is overcome evil with good. That's point number 10. And like I said, if you didn't uh, hear all those messages, if you missed any of those, you can find them online on the church Facebook page or YouTube, or you can listen to them on, on Podbean. But our main verse for tonight is going to come out of Romans 12 and verse 21. It says, Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. And we'll come back to this verse later, but that's our main verse for tonight. <coughs> but uh, the more I studied this and doing, you know, the last three messages and stuff, God has showed me the best way to overcome evil uh, to start with is just to make sure that you're not part of it yourself. You know, everything we've talked about, all four messages so far, it requires a whole lot of self-examination. You know, we like, we're like we quick to point out evil in somebody else's life, but it's hard for us to admit that something is wrong in ours. You know, I uh, gave you that demonstration. I think it was in the first message. I can't remember. But, uh, you know, I kind of compared us to banana pudding. You know, there's... There's good banana pudding and there's bad banana pudding, but we're not banana pudding. You know, we we don't like to think of it that way, but we're either good or we're evil. 
So the main way that we overcome evil is to make sure we're not participating in it ourselves. Uh, one of my favorite verses in the Bible is Proverbs 26:20, 20. And it says, where no wood is, the fire goes out. So where there is no tailbearer, the strife ceases. Uh, you know, that just makes sense to me when I read that, you know, where there's no wood, the fire goes out. Everybody, if you've ever been around a campfire, if you stop putting stuff on it, eventually it just dies out. And it's the same with gossip. You know, that's what that verse is talking about, is gossip. Uh, you know, he's saying don't add to it, don't repeat it, don't participate in it, and it will go away. It'll stop. But uh, one of the things that bothers me the most, and I just pick gossip as one form of evil because everybody is familiar with it, but one of the things that bothers me the most is when people come to me and say, so-and-so said this, and I'm not gossiping, I'm just telling you what they said. Well, if you're repeating what they said, if you're telling me about it, that is gossip. That is the very definition of gossip, spreading rumors, spreading what somebody has said, you know, keeping the conversa conversation going. And like that verse there says, that's just putting more wood on the fire, and it spreads, and it spreads, and it spreads. And that's exactly what the next verse says in Proverbs 26:21. It says, As coals are to burning coals and wood to fire, so is a contentious man to kindle strife. So God not only says if we're doing that, that we're a gossip, He says that we're a contentious person if we do that. Because gossip causes trouble. Uh, I mean, there's just no, no way around it. It causes strife. It always causes damage. You know, there is no such thing as harmless gossip. Uh, no matter what, it, what it's about, there's always a victim involved. Uh, and if we keep reading, Proverbs 26, 22 says, The words of a talebearer are as wounds, and they go down into the innermost parts of the belly. Uh, you know, the only way to overcome that, the only way to put a stop to that, is to let it die. If somebody tells you something, I mean, you can't help it if you've already heard it, but you can help repeating it. You can help, you know, keeping from putting more wood on the fire and keeping that gossip going. Uh, no matter how juicy it is, whatever they told you, you've got a choice. You know, no matter how bad you want to tell somebody about it, when we do that, it does cause damage, and it is gossip. So we, we have to make the choice. If we hear it, you can't help hearing it, like I said, but you do have a choice whether to tell it uh, once you have it or not. Uh, but gossip causes damage. We've got to get over that mindset of they're the ones gossiping. I'm just telling you what they said. You know, if you repeated it too, you've joined the group. You're one of them. You can't just tell me what they said without repeating what they said. And that, that is the very definition of gossip. If it's not good news, if it's not going to benefit anybody, don't repeat it. Let it die right there. Because when you do that, like I said, you've already joined the group. You're one of them. You are gossiping. And it is evil. It's not good. It does cause damage, and there is always a victim. Uh, and like I said a minute ago, we can't overcome anything by being a participant in it. The only way to stop gossip is to not give in uh, and spread it ourselves. Don't give it an audience. That's how gossip gets so popular. The ones telling it want that audience. They want the attention. And uh, like it said in verse 20, where no wood is, the fire goes out. And when they figure out that nobody's going to join them, 
and it's not spreading anymore, it's not popular anymore, and nobody wants to hear that stuff, then they'll move on to something else. The fire goes out, like it says there in, in verse 20. Uh, Proverbs chapter 19 and verse 11. It says, The discretion of a man defers his anger, and it's his glory to pass over a transgression. <clears throat> you know, the Bible says it's glorious for me or for you to know what somebody else did and not spread it around, not spread it all over the place, but keep it to myself. Uh, the NLT says in that same verse that we earn respect by overlooking wrongs of other people. And, uh, you know, that's how relationships are strengthened. That's how trust is built, and that's how bonds are formed. Knowing that you can tell me anything, and I'm not going to repeat it. I'm not going to use it against you or judge you for it. And vice versa, I can tell you anything, and you're not going to use it against me or tell somebody else about it or judge me. That's what builds strong relationships. And if you're gossiping, and, uh, you know, nobody can trust anything with you. They're not going to tell you what, what they need. That gossiping is how relationships are destroyed. It's the very opposite of trust. That's how relationships are destroyed. That's how friendships are destroyed. That's how marriages get destroyed, whether it's true or not. You know, I've seen people hear things about their wife, and they may not be true at all, but now it's in their head, and now that causes contention like we read in uh, verse 20 a while ago, and they never get over it because they always have that suspicion. You know, gossip is very dangerous, and if it destroys the marriage, that destroys the children in the marriage too. And uh, <clears throat> that's exactly what the Bible says in John 10.10 10, that the enemy does. You know, he steals and kills and destroys. And that's not what we need to be doing if we're going to call ourselves followers of Christ. <clears throat> that's what the enemy wants to do to us. And if we're gossiping and doing that to each other, then we're doing his job for him. You know, not only causing harm to relationships and friendships and marriages, but also to the church. If we're doing that stuff, we can't build any unity amongst ourselves. We can't share the love of God. We can't be the witness that we're supposed to. And like I said, the children in all this are just collateral damage. And uh, if you're doing it, they're going to follow in your footsteps. Uh, Jesus himself says in Matthew chapter 12 and verse 25, it says, And Jesus knew their thoughts. And said unto them, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation, and every city or house divided against itself shall not stand. You know, we can't call ourselves brothers and sisters in Christ if we're tearing one another down, if we're going around gossiping about each other and telling uh, rumors about one another. We can't call ourselves followers of that which is good. Remember, we're talking about good and evil. We can't be good and participate in evil at the same time. We just can't do it. We can't call ourselves followers of that which is good if we're participating in something that is evil. Uh, Jesus also said in John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35, he says, A new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love one to another. He said in verse 34, as I have loved you. 
you know, that makes it a lot different. He didn't say, like, you love each other. He said, the way I have loved you, that's the way you are supposed to love other people. And uh, we have a hard time remembering that Christ loves us all the same. You know, he don't love Patrick any more than he loves me. And he don't love me any more than he loves Brenda. He loves us all exactly the same. And, uh, you know, we don't have to like everybody. Nobody is going to like everybody. That's impossible. Everybody's going to have somebody in your life that you just do not like. And uh, you're always going to have people in your life that do not like you. But if you are <coughs> uh, truly surrendered to Christ and you got the Holy Spirit in you, you can love everybody, even if you don't like him. Uh, you know, if you're a brother or a sister in Christ, even if I don't agree with you, and even if I don't like you, I can still love you. And I can still be there for you when you're in need. I still hurt if I see you hurting. Even though I don't want to spend any time with you, I care about you. And I love you. And I would do anything I could to help you. You know, I can still protect your dignity. If I find something out about you, I'm not going to go spread it all over the place and... Uh, Tell everybody what you did. You know, I'll keep what I know about you confidential, uh, whether it's true or not, because that really don't matter if it's true or not. Gossip does damage whether it's true or not. It's already out there, and like I said, it's already in people's minds, and they've already formed an opinion about it. You know, if I love you, I'm not going to do anything that would harm you, whether I like you or not, especially if you are a, a, a follower of Christ. And like I said, I'll do anything I can to help you. And like I said, that's just one example of things. I just, you know, one of the examples of things that are evil that we shouldn't be a part of. And there's millions of things. There's an endless list of things. But uh, like I said, I just chose gossip because everybody's seen some damage caused by gossip. And everybody's familiar with it. And we've all experienced that. But that's how we overcome evil with good, by not being a part of what is evil, but making sure that we're following what is good. You know, I thank God every day for this church family that we have right now here at Grace. You know, I wasn't talking about the gossip being a problem here at Grace. I'm talking about in the world, worldwide, and in our friendships, even outside the church. That causes a lot of damage. I think our church family right now is healthier than it's ever been and uh, I'm just super thankful to be a part of it and just the last couple of years and those of you that have been here that long you know what I'm talking about I've seen us go from just dealing with problem after problem after problem and argument after argument after argument and just always dealing with something to everybody just serving together we're finally seeing the unity that we've been praying for and it is truly amazing you know i love it and i love being a part of it that's how we overcome evil you know is realizing that i have faults you have faults but i love you anyway and whether you got faults or not and you love me anyway even though i have faults and i got plenty of them but we love each other anyway and, uh, you know, we've got more people serving God right now than we ever have. And I'm sure you've noticed that if you are serving, that your problems just seem to fade away. You know, when I wasn't serving God, when I was just living for myself, 
that's all I focused on was my problems, and they got bigger and worse and bigger and worse. But I've learned that the more that I serve God, the more that I focus on serving Him, that I don't think about my problems. You know, I'm busy thinking about this. And before I know it, my problems just start taking care of themselves. God will, He starts taking care of your problems while you're helping others, while you're serving Him. He does take care of things. And if, I know if you're serving God, you've experienced that too. You get to watch Matthew 6 verse 33 come true in your life it says but seek ye first the kingdom of god and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you uh, you know like i said that's just one example of evil that we can overcome by doing good but like our verse of the day romans 12 21 says be not overcome of evil but overcome evil with good and that verse right there is personal that's talking about overcome your evil by doing good and the reason I know it's personal if we back up one verse in verse 20 he says therefore if your enemy hungers he's talking to you personally he's not just talking to a broad audience he's making it personal if your enemy hungers feed him and if your enemy is thirsty so we have to overcome our own evil. You know, I can't concentrate on trying to overcome your evil. I have to focus on me and make sure I'm not participating in evil myself. You know, I can't stop you from cussing. So you have a cussing problem. But I can stop cussing. And when you get a, uncomfortable around me after I stop doing it, you know, maybe you'll stop doing it too. I can't stop you from being angry. But Proverbs 15 and verse 1 says, you know, a soft answer turns away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. So I can't stop you from being angry, but I can help calm you down. I can talk softly to you, or I can go the other way, and I can argue with you and make you even matter. That's what that verse is saying. It's all what we choose to be a part of, good or evil. You know, we'll never overcome evil by being a part of it. But every time that we choose to do good, we create more good. It's, a, it's that principle we talk about all the time that goes all the way through the whole entire Bible about reaping and sowing. You know, we really do reap what we sow. If we're doing good, we're going to reap good. If we're doing evil, uh, the Bible says we will reap corruption. But we sow good, we get good. We sow evil, we get evil. And like I always tell you, you know, we're, we are, if we call ourselves followers of Christ, we're living examples of what is acceptable or what is not acceptable. We're examples to our children and everybody else that's close to us. Our co-workers, the people we go to school with, the people we run into, it don't matter who they are or where they are. If we call ourselves followers of Christ, we are ambassadors for Christ, whether we like it or not. Everything we do uh, tells somebody something about our faith. And, uh, you know, we're setting the standard of this is what it looks like to be a Christian if we call ourselves a Christian. And, uh, you know, that should carry a lot of weight to us. That should matter to us, how I represent my God, my Savior, because that, that really is what we are. We are representatives of the kingdom of God in how we treat other people, how we deal with other people, how we talk to other people, 
and how we talk about other people. That's one of the reasons I chose gossip as an example to talk about is because I've seen more damage come from uh, rumors and slander and gossip than I have any other one thing uh, at all. That was the number one thing I've seen damage come from. Uh, I like how Pastor Josh, he talks about reverse gossip every once in a while. He don't call it that. That's just what I call it is reverse gossip. Uh, instead of saying bad things about people, just going around talking about somebody in a good way, a positive way. And when that kind of talk gets back to them, it's uplifting. It encourages them to know that somebody was somewhere talking good about them. Just as it, you know, tears people apart when they hear you talking bad about them. When you hear somebody saying good things about you and you're not even there, then that's uplifting. That encourages you. And it helps you want to continue to be good and uh, do the things that they're bragging on you about. You know, we can produce whatever kind of harvest we want. But if we want a good one, we got to be led by the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. And, you know, if you, like I said, you got to lead by example. If you're the leader in your home and you know that something is ungodly, not only shouldn't you participate in it, you shouldn't allow it. You know, if it's your home, say, hey, we don't do that here. You know, this is a Christ-centered home. That's not allowed here. But even if you're not the leader in your home and you know something is ungodly, you don't have to participate in it. You can be the example in your home of, I know that's not right, so I'm choosing not to do this for Christ's sake. But like I always tell you, don't judge them for what they're doing. Just tell them why you're not doing it. Don't just tell people, I'm not doing that. Tell them why you're not doing it. Tell them God's Word says it's not right to do that, so I choose not to do it. And uh, not just at home, at work. If they're telling dirty jokes and stuff, just tell them, don't just walk off and, you know, leave them hanging. Tell them, ooh, I used to do that too, but I gave my life to Christ, so I don't do that anymore. I'm going to step over here while y'all are saying that. And that plants a seed in them. You know, you didn't judge them. You didn't look down on them. But you told them how God changed your life, and you're just giving them the invitation to God will do that for you too. So we got to be an example. And uh, like I said, we can produce whatever kind of harvest we want. But if we want a good one, we've got to be led by the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. Ephesians 4, verses 29 and 30. It says, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. <clears throat> so what those verses are saying, everything we say and do should be for the benefit of somebody else and not for their destruction, not to tear them down, not to shame them, uh, but to encourage them like we just talked about and build them up. And verse 30 says, Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. What Paul is saying there in those two verses, he's saying if you're saved, you're saved. And nothing you do is going to take that away from you, even going around slandering other people. But here's the important part. But you sure can be the reason that somebody else don't get saved. You know, if you've got corrupt communication coming out of your mouth 
and uh, you're always tearing people down and you call yourself a Christian, they're probably not going to follow you to church. And they're probably not going to wind up giving their life to Christ. And that might wind up uh, costing them their eternal life just because you're being part of the evil that we've been talking about. So, you know, we've got to go back to what Jesus said, that new commandment. We've got to treat people like Jesus loves them. Uh, you know, we just read that. Love others, love each other, as I have loved you. And uh, I know that's not easy to do, but that's what God has called us to do, whether we like somebody or not. Uh, you know, what is the ultimate overcoming of evil? Does anybody know what that is? The ultimate conquering of evil is salvation. Receiving the free gift of God, eternal life. And God forbid that anything I ever say or anything that I ever do would cause anybody not to get saved. I would hate to stand before God and know that somebody didn't make it to heaven because I couldn't keep my mouth shut. And uh, I don't ever want to have that conversation with God. Uh, even the meanest, worst person that you could think of or I could think of would be the sweetest person on earth if they would just surrender their life to Christ and receive the Holy Spirit. That's the only difference between us and them is we've surrendered our life to Christ and we have the Holy Spirit. There's nothing good in me. It says that in Romans. I knew me before Christ and there was absolutely nothing good in me. So who am I to think that I'm better than someone else just because I surrendered my life to Christ? I was just as mean or wicked as they are. And if they had Christ, they wouldn't be the way they are. So my goal shouldn't be to hate that person, to be angry at that person, or even to avoid that person. My goal should be to get them to Jesus so that they can not be that way anymore. Uh, you know, they need the same thing I need. They need to receive the same free gift that I received that I did not earn. I didn't earn anything. Uh, Galatians 3 verses 26 through 28 it says and this is talking about everybody so we don't have a right to judge anybody for you are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus for as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ there is neither Jew nor Greek there is neither bond nor free there is neither male nor female for you are all one in Christ Jesus. We are all the same. We can't see people as enemies. We only have one enemy, one, and that is Satan. And it is sin itself. He's the one that brought sin into this world. And the way we overcome that evil, uh, like I said, is point one that we started out with. We choose good. We believe the gospel, and we choose to surrender our lives to Christ. And I think people, they overthink and they complicate the gospel. But that's all we do. We choose to surrender our lives to Christ, and then we follow Him. Uh, and like I said a minute ago, there is an unending example of evil in the world to overcome, but only one way to overcome them, and that's by not being a part of it, not participating in it, but following after what is good. And that gets us to the last point in the good side of the study. Uh, point 11 is teach what is good. <clears throat> like I said, you can fill in the blank on 
you know, I just chose gossip as one example. You know, we can choose not to be a part of whatever you think is evil that you don't want to be a part of, you know, especially if you're the leader in your home. If you think drugs are evil, no drugs in this house. If you think drinking is evil, no drinking in this house. So I just chose gossip as an example. But teach what is good is point 11. And I hear this all the time. Well, I'm not a teacher, Brother Wade. Uh, I wasn't either. <laughs> you know, I was I was a carpet layer is what I was. And neither were the disciples. You know, they were fishermen. They were tax collectors. They were just ordinary, ordinary people like you and me. Uh, but they were witnesses by doing the same thing that you and I can do. Uh, Jesus said, follow me, and they followed him. And they told everybody what they had seen and heard. And that's what Peter and John told the council in Acts chapter 4, verses 19 and 20. It says, but Peter and John answered and said unto them, whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than unto God, you judge. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. And uh, But before that, they received the Holy Spirit when Jesus ascended. In Acts chapter 2, verses 2 through 4, it says, And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Uh, and I want to read verses 15 through 18, too. It said, For these are not drunken. They got up there and started preaching, and uh, everybody thought they were drunk because they could hear them in their own language. But Peter stood up in the middle of them, and he said, These are not drunken, as you suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel, and it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. And on my servants and on my handmaidens I will pour out in those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. I think Josh referenced that in his last message about the pouring out of the Holy Spirit. But that's exactly what we do. They followed Jesus, and then after he ascended, they received the Holy Spirit. And that's exactly what we do. Uh, you know, we decide to follow Jesus. Let me back up a little bit. The disciples decided to follow Jesus, and they walked away from their lives as they knew them. Like I said, you know, some of them were fishermen, some of them were tax collectors, but they chose to walk away from their lives that they were used to living them and they surrendered or submitted to Jesus as their Lord or their teacher. And they trusted him to teach them how to live their new lives as his followers. And that's, it's no different for us. You know, when we decide to follow Jesus, we should be making that same decision. You know, we should be saying, okay, Jesus, I'm submitting to you. I'm going to turn away from doing life my way. And I'm going to make you my Lord. And I'm trusting you to teach me your ways instead of my ways. And the, the difference between us and the disciples, when we decide to follow Jesus, we received the Holy Spirit right then. You know, they had to follow him for three and a half years 
watch him die and then wait for him to ascend. And then he sent the Holy Spirit. But when we surrender our, our lives to Christ, we get the Holy Spirit right then to le- teach us how to live. Uh, in John fourteen twenty six, we can see that. He, Jesus is talking about when I go away, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. He says, but the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, to whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I've said unto you. And, uh, you know, like I said, when you come to Christ and surrender your life to him, you do receive the Holy Spirit. But it's not a one-time, okay, now I know everything I need to know about God. Uh, it's a new birth. And Garrett was talking about that on Sunday too but he was talking about a different kind of birth he was talking about birth pains in the earth but when you come to Christ that's what it's called being born again that means you change from your old nature into a a new nature when we receive the Holy Spirit so it's a new birth but then we have to mature in our faith you know the new birth is an event that happens instantly but maturing is a process we have to grow in our faith once you receive the Holy Spirit, then He's going to start speaking to your heart, especially if you're reading your Bible like you should be, and He'll guide you. He'll direct you, and all you got to do is make that choice. Once you know the difference between right and wrong is to choose to do what's good. You know, we share these verses all the time in Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. It says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not unto your own understanding. In all your ways, Acknowledge Him, and He will direct your path. Like I said, once you surrender to Christ and you receive the Holy Spirit, uh, then all you got to do is listen to Him while you're reading Scripture, and He'll show you things you need to work on. And you can teach right off the bat. You know, like Ephesians four twenty nine that we just read. You know, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. Uh, you know, if the Holy Spirit speaks to you while you're reading that verse, then you've got a decision to make. And uh, that happened to me. You know, as soon as I had surrendered my life to Christ, and I, I read that, and I had a choice then. I knew right from wrong, and I had a choice. Am I going to keep letting that corrupt communication come out of my mouth? Because I had a filthy mouth. That was one of the first things the Lord told me. He's like, that cousin's got to go. And uh, everybody around me, cuss too but I did I quit cussing just like that I thought it would be hard I thought it would be one of the hardest things I'd ever do but it wasn't I mean it it was instant I was like okay I'll stop it and it took me a while to figure out how to form a complete sentence without the vocabulary I was used to but God gave me a new one but everybody in my life everybody I was around they cussed as bad or worse than I did but I noticed that once I stopped cussing with the Lord's help, uh, I noticed that those people, they stopped cussing too. It, it wasn't instant, but they gradually stopped cussing because I did. And uh, like I said, every time you do something good, you create more good in those around you. Just like if you do something evil and you get people to follow you doing that, you bring more evil into the world. But every time you do something good, every time you choose to be obedient to a scripture that God brings to your attention, then it produces good in people around you too. Uh, you know, we teach 
by the way we live. And that's what I mean by teaching. I don't mean you need to start a small group or you need to do this or that. But you teach by the way you're following Christ, just like his disciples did. Uh, we come to him the same way and we teach the same way he did or they did, you know, by just by following Jesus. Uh, but people very seldom listen or believe what you say, but they will always believe what you do. Uh, so once we come to Christ, if we're truly being obedient, our life will preach and teach all by itself because the fruits of the Spirit are going to be coming out of us. Love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. You know, your life, if you're truly following Christ, will teach people the one thing that truly overcomes evil. It'll teach them God loves them. You know, whether they're mean, whether they're hateful, whether they're on drugs, whether they're living in sin, it don't matter. None of that stuff matters. The one thing that truly overcomes all sin and all evil is the love of God. So our lives, everywhere we go, should show the kindness and the love of God. They should be showing people God loves you no matter what. You know, the disciples, when Jesus sent them out two by two, they didn't go into the towns telling people, you're a sinner, you're going to hell, you're a sinner, you're going to hell. They went and they offered freedom in Christ, and that's what the gospel is, freedom in Christ. And that's what we should be offering people too, not judgment, not telling them what they're doing wrong. Uh, and we shouldn't be putting people down either, you know. <clears throat> You see a lot of this, unfortunately, in the, in the church that people don't want to get in nobody's dirt. They want to teach classes. They want to teach about theology. They want to teach about learning scripture. And all that stuff is really important, and it's good stuff. But they're never going to get to that if they don't believe that God loves them. You know, the number one thing we got to do is show people that God loves them and tell them that God loves them. That's how we overcome evil. You know, we share this verse every week at the end of the message, Romans 5, 8. It says, God commended or showed his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So, you know, I tell you all the time, God is our example. Christ is our example. So let's be like God. Let's love the sinners in word and deed. Let's show the love of God to them and how we treat them, how we talk about them, right where they are. Not if they stop what they're doing. You know, I didn't stop what I was doing. God saved me right where I was at. So we shouldn't have to expect anybody to change any behavior for us to love them. We shouldn't expect them to have to change any behavior to believe that God loves them. That verse right there says God showed his love towards us and that while we were in the middle of sin, Christ died for us. You know, I don't think we should invite anybody to church until we show them first that we love them and we care for them right where they are and tell them that God loves them right where they are. And most of the time, you won't have to invite them to church. They'll invite themselves to church. They'll come on their own because they believe God loves them. And if you show them that you love them, they believe you love them too. You know, nobody wants to come to a God or a church that's going to look down their nose at them. Nobody does. I've been to churches like that, and I've been around people like that. 
and I didn't feel welcome around either one of them. So that's how we teach. We have to teach with our life. Uh, and we can teach with our words too, but mostly with our actions. And uh, it, I always tell you this too, it has to start at home. You got to practice what you're preaching. You know, you can't tell people one thing and live a different way. You've got to be uh, genuine in your faith and truly be who you're supposed to be at home. Uh, God's Word says this. <clears throat> and the Holy Spirit has put this on my heart so we have new standards now, you know. That's how it has to be at home. You know, don't call somebody out and say, I can't believe you're doing that. Just tell them, hey, God's Word says this. And this, I know it's not how we've always done it, but now I know better. This is how we're going to start doing this. If you're the leader of the home. If you're not, then you can start doing it on your own and hope by being an example that they'll follow your lead. But you can't look down your nose at anybody. Uh, you know, I tell you all the time, don't teach by knowledge and tell other people what to do. Uh, all that does is put people down and offend them. We have to teach by example. You know, we can't expect from others what we're not doing ourselves. So if I'm going to ask you to do something, I need to examine myself first and make sure that I'm doing that. So just be o obedient and watch your life change, and it will. Uh, that's all I did. You know, I told you my story a bunch of times. At first, I wasn't even willingly being obedient. I was being obedient to test God. Okay, I'm going to see if your word is true. I was actually being obedient uh, in a bad way. But even being obedient in a bad way, I could see my life changing. And I started to trust God and to believe in God. And I started watching Him change the lives of all the people around me too. You know, at home and at work and at church. So everywhere you go, you'll be teaching without even realizing it, just by being obedient. Uh, next week, we're going to start on the other half of the study on evil. And it's not going to be nowhere near as long as the, the good half was. But it's, it's going to be good, and I hope you're able to make it through that. But uh, that's my message for tonight, and I hope that sinks in. I know it's a, a short message, and it wasn't very complicated, and I try to do it that way on purpose. You know, Paul says, he's, he said, I'm afraid you get away from Christ because you... You make it so complicated. You're getting away from the simplicity that's in Christ. The only thing we got to do to overcome evil is to do good. I don't know who made that quote one time, but uh, somebody had a quote that said, the only thing that evil needs to triumph is for good men to do nothing. And, uh, you know, the only thing we got to do to not let evil triumph is to not be a part of it. And, uh, you know, I took a good look at my life in the last month and a half while I've been working on this to make sure I'm not doing anything. I'm not participating in something that's evil. I don't want to let somebody else think, well, Wade's doing it, so it must be okay. No, I want to make sure and examine myself that I'm not doing something that God's Word calls evil. I don't want that in my life. And that's the reason I chose gossip. I know for a fact that that is evil. 
So that was the best example I could think of. But just treat people with kindness. Like I said, look at the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And then look at yourself. Are these the things that are coming out of my life? Or is there any kind of damage coming out of my life towards others? If so, then you need to work on that. Ask God to be honest with God and tell Him, I see this in my life. I don't want it to be that way, but it is. And I need your help with it. And He'll help you with it. I know He does because He helps me all the time because I'm not perfect. Every day I've got to ask God to help me with something, and He does. But if I... If I try to just brush it off, I'm like, hey, that'll be all right, that'll be all right. It's not all right. It just gets worse until I bring it to God and say, i got a problem, I need some help with it. And it's a whole lot easier to deal with small problems than it is to wait until they get huge, and then I can't, I can't do anything about it. But uh, that's my message for tonight, and I, I hope that gives you something good to think about. You know, am I participating in something I shouldn't be? or causing somebody else to do something they shouldn't. But I never want to end a message without giving you the opportunity to, to surrender your life to Christ if you've never done that. And it's real simple. All you got to do is tell God, I know I need a Savior. I know I was, I'm a sinner. I ask you to come into my heart and save me. I want you to be my Lord. I want, I want a new life, and I know the only way I can get it is through you. And I believe you died for my sins. And I believe you rose from the dead to be my Lord and Savior. And if you truly believe that in your heart and you ask God to do that for you, he'll meet you right where you are. And if, you, if this is the day that you are choosing to give your life to Christ, confess it with your mouth. Tell somebody, today I gave my life to Christ. I asked him to come into my life. And the Bible says once you've done that, then you are saved. There's nothing else you need to do. And uh, like I said a minute ago, that. The Holy Spirit will come into your heart, and He'll start teaching you things. You know, like I said, the first thing He told me to do is that cousin's got to go. He'll start showing you the things in your life you need to work on. Don't try to figure it out yourself, or you'll just you'll get confused and frustrated, and you'll walk away from your walk with God. But uh, I'll give you some scriptures on that. Romans 10, verses 9 and 10, it says, If you will confess with your mouth, the Lord Jesus, and shall believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So don't forget, if today's the day you, you've asked Jesus into your heart, make sure you tell somebody about it and confess that with your mouth. And uh, if you've done that, as far as I know, that is the only requirement for being saved. I've heard a lot of people say you got to straighten up before you come to church. You got to get baptized. You got to do all these things. And uh, uh, I always tell them, as an example, the thief on the cross. He didn't do nothing but say, "Remember me, Lord, when you come into your kingdom." You know, he didn't get down and get baptized. He didn't have time to straighten up. He didn't fix his past. All he did was recognize Jesus as Lord and asked Him to remember Him. You know. He pretty much said, I believe you are who you say you are, and I need you. And that's all we have to do. Uh, so Romans 10, 13, I like to share that one too. It don't matter who you are. The Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And we've already read Romans 5, 8. It says, God showed his love towards us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. 
I don't care if you're right in the middle of living a simple lifestyle. God will save you right in the middle of it. He did me. And he'll bring you out of it. He'll bring you out of things you can't get out of on your own. So if you've never done that, I hope you do do that today. And uh, if you have done that, make sure you tell somebody about it. Confess it with your mouth. And the Bible says you are saved. And if you've done that today and you need some guidance, you can come by the church here or you can call. And uh, anybody here would be glad to talk to you and give you some advice. But thank you all again for coming out. And like I said, it's good to see you all. It's been a couple of weeks. And uh, thank you all for tuning in. If you're watching online, let me pray for us, and we will be dismissed. Father, I thank you for the message that you gave me for tonight. And, Lord, I just pray that you give each of us the, the courage when we go home tonight to truly examine ourselves, God, and uh, the things that we are involved in. And uh, I pray that you reveal to us, Lord, if we are participating in something that does not please you, and something that has given others a, a false idea of who a Christian should be, Father. And I pray that you help that to mean something to us, to know that we are representatives of you. And I just pray, Father, that you'd speak to each of our hearts individually and uh, show us the things that we need to bring to you. And I pray that you'd also remind us, Lord, that it's, we don't have to rely on our own strength, Father, to make these changes, that you'll change them for us. All we got to do is be honest and confess them to you and ask you for your help. Lord, I just lift all the ones that are at home sick again. I just pray that you continue to comfort them and help them to get better. Uh, pray for all those in the hospital, Lord, from the car wrecks. I pray that you'd comfort them as well, Lord, and uh, help them to heal quickly. Lord, we love you, and we just thank you for loving us first. In Jesus' name, amen.